Round one, go. All righty, it's uh, Saturday. It's a good day to play. It's a good day to get involved. It's a good day to listen to Doug and Marty versus the world. This is Doug Bassler. And this is still Marty McClendon. Thank you for joining this show. And obviously, um, this is the post Good Friday, pre-Easter, pre-Resurrection Sunday show. So we're right smack dab in the middle. And uh, just a little off, off-site off little news. You missed the best show ever yesterday because of uh, we redid the show um, because of our te- technical difficulties. So hopefully we're going to live up to the expectations of our own self and to glory of God to do a good show today. Right, Doug? Sure, brother. <laughs> Whatever you say, man. <laughs> I, I, you know, um, technical difficulties means nothing. Uh, the only thing that matters is that you're listening to and obeying God, especially this weekend. You know, um, it wasn't, uh, but just a few decades ago, brother, that somebody invited me, a long haired, strung out goofball musician to come to church because everybody goes to church on Easter. And I was like, really? I didn't know that, but you know what happened that day, brother? I got saved. I gave my heart to Jesus that day, brother. Your entire life and eternal life was changed on that day. Yeah. And so Easter has a very special place in my heart, Resurrection Sunday. You know, it's obvious that Resurrection Sunday has implications, you know, globally, mm-hmm. internationally, um, because it's a, you know, a proven fact, right? Jesus didn't stay in the grave. And something happened to him. And, uh, you know, I watched that movie, um, uh, was it last year, I think, or the year before, about Case for Christ, about mm-hmm. Lee Strobel trying to disprove the resurrection. Uh, you know, if, if, if our listeners, if you guys haven't watched that, it's a good one. Check it it's out. It's a very good one. I mean, he came back with a uh, case for faith. But, I mean, it's, a, it's been around for a while. But he went through as a, an investigative reporter and study it from a, a journalist point of view, from a medical point of view, from a historical point of view. And he came away as a believer because he couldn't turn away from the facts. And something I think we, our heart really is, is, is want people to see the facts. And I quoted, and I'll quote it again now too. There was a um, post by a author, Dr. Tom Rainier, that's called The Unchurched Next Door. And it says, the reasons to invite someone to church on Easter. He goes on to say, 82% of people invited to an Easter service will say they will likely attend. So if you invite them, they'll come. They feel obligated to come. It's good. Only 2% of Christians invite unchurched persons to church. So we do a terrible job as a body of Christ of inviting non-church people to church on Easter. What an opportunity we have before us. Number three, seven out of 10 unchurched people have not been invited. So 70% of those that don't know Christ yet, have never been invited to church. Think about that. And then 2% of people who attend church will do so because of an advertisement. But 86% of those who attend, uh, they started attending because someone invited them to church, just like you. And so when we want all heaven to rejoice, when people get saved, we have to start by just inviting them, right? The the scripture in the Bible says, who will hear unless someone uh, preaches, basically, and who will preach unless someone sends them? And the idea here is our simple job is to invite our neighbors, those people around us, our family and friends, come join us. Come join us at Easter service. Yeah, and everybody gets a little nervous 
you know, about that. Like, what do I say? How do I do it? And, you know, I think um, the real um, the, the real secret to inviting someone to church for Easter is just to go ahead and do it. Just to say, hey, you know, I was thinking about you, you know, we go to church on Easter. Just, you know, it's obviously a good day to go. Would you like to go? We're going to be there. And, you know, if they say, nah, I'm not really into the church thing or whatever, there, it's it's highly unlikely, brother, that they will punch you in the face. Yes. And in fact, I know the key to most human beings, male and female and kids, is saying, tell you what, come to church with us. We'll have dinner or breakfast or lunch afterwards. Um, it's important to us. I'd love to hang out with you. You know, how do you turn that down? Food is the driver. So it may cost you a dinner uh, or two, but it's it's for eternal blessing. I mean, what a great opportunity to lead people to the kingdom of God and allow somebody else to be in the presence of the family of God as they worship and see the story of Jesus, that he died and rose again on the third day. So, you know, every Easter service, um, they talk about what this means, that the, the stone was rolled away, that he, he walked again, that he was seen afterwards, that he uh, said he was going to return. So, and then, you know, it's amazing. It's a love story, brother. And it, it's so powerful. I, you know, one of the, the, um, I think, uh, great movies about the whole Easter thing is the passion of the Christ. The, the, um, uh, what's his name? Mad Max. Mel Gibson. Mel yep. Gibson. Yep. And, um, and I, you know, it was an interesting movie. I went with a bunch of church folks when it was in the theater and this is, you know, many years ago. Um, but that, that, that scene where he stomps the snake, you know, where he mm-hmm. comes out of the grave where he, you know, that is the thing, you know, Jesus had to die because he had to pay the price, you know, for all the bad stuff, all our, all of our sins, all of our immoralities, all of our, you know, our thefts, our lies, and, um, you know, our hatred for one another, all this stuff, our murders. Mm -hmm. And, and he paid the price for that. And now the Bible says, because of that, there's nothing that God could even chide you for. There's nothing. In other words, God isn't even critical of your past sins when you give your heart to Jesus and you, you receive that forgiveness and that, that death had to happen, but that resurrection was showing that, that he is God, that he is who he says he was, that the words that he said are true and they're important and that we need to listen to them and we need to obey them. And um, I was reading in, um, I think it was in Titus today. And I was reading it, and it says right in there, God, comma, who cannot lie. And I was like, I got a highlight. So I grabbed my yellow highlight. <laughs> you know, we've got to remember something, that if he's God, he cannot lie. And that means all of his promises are yes and amen. amen. That's awesome. Well, the, the companion verse to that that comes to mind is that God's word does not return void. It says the exact same thing. If God said it, it's going to happen. It doesn't go out and accomplish nothing. You know, it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It, it, it accomplishes what it was set out to do. He's so not just talking. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> How many times are we just talking, especially you and I? Um, yes. But we're, um, you know, what do we say? I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, bless our heart. Bless our heart. Yeah, That's right. The Southern thing. So in the um, 
Easter spirit, obviously we talk about political and social things through a Christian lens. And of course, this is the biggest weekend for the Christians in the world. All around the world, we're celebrating Easter Resurrection, Resurrection Sunday, which is easy for me to say. But, you know, I thought of something. I had a meeting this week. It was a political real estate related. I, I serve on several boards in the real estate community. And we actually had my former opponent, current Congressman Kilmer, come and speak to us. And it's interesting. And I realized, I remember that you do a really good job of building bridges with people that you yeah, disagree with on most things. Uh, your opponent, on many cases, is probably more friendly in both ways because you have so much grace for them. And on Easter, that's what it is. It's about grace. I mean, we've all fallen short. Um, but we know that we have redemption, that, that the price has been paid, so it's great. And I remember, uh, even in this moment, thinking we're coming up on Easter weekend, and I'm still having harboring these feelings like, I don't like this guy. I like him, but I don't like him. And I like what he, what he does. I don't like the policies he does. I don't like the fact that he can give lip service to people and not really do anything. And so I'm like, okay, how do I do this in a way? Like, I, I know that it's not about him. It's about the things we rail against all the time. The fact that our neighbors and our friends and our children, you know, some of these policies being pushed are really harmful. You know, And so I'm like, okay, how do you separate that? Love the gentleman, right? Love him, know that Christ died for him as well. And that he, for some reason, he is there right now serving. And I want to influence in a way, influence him and those like him in a way to actually have a different mindset. What do you think, Doug? Yeah, well, Abraham Lincoln said it really well, brother. He said, do I not destroy my enemies when I make them my friends? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're, um, we're in a situation, obviously, um, you and I in agreement that there's a lot of election shenanigans going on, but people that are there that are in authority and, and everything else, you know, I don't think that's necessarily them that, that, you know, it definitely couldn't be Joe Biden because he's not smart enough to rig anything. <laughs> yeah. I don't even think he ties his own shoes, brother. Um, maybe loafers. Maybe that was the reason for why he stumbled on the way up to air force one. Yeah. Because someone didn't tie his shoes or didn't on. get it, put him in loafers. Uh, no strings on my shoes, loafers. Um, but yeah, I think that Jesus said, you know, we are supposed to treat our enemies differently than, than a lot of people treat their enemies. And that is that we are to love our enemies. If your enemy's thirsty, give them something to drink. If they're hungry, give them something to eat. And I, I believe that he's actually quoting Proverbs where it says, then you'll heap coals of fire on their heads. So mm -hmm. this is a... Um, you know, you, you kill them with kindness and it's, it becomes a lot more difficult to be mean back to you. If you're, you know, if you're a jerk, it's easy to be a jerk back. Right. Indeed. But if, yep. That's but if they're a jerk and you're like, Oh, you know, you must be having a bad day. Do you need a hug? You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's like, a good discussion, obviously for our listeners out there too. What are people that you and your own family, in your neighborhood, in your leadership, um, how do you, in a sense, um, love on them to um, put their thoughts or cares, whatever, to address it in that way, like you're saying, at the same time, be strong on your convictions, saying, no, I'm not going to let you run over. These policies hurt people. So I'm going to say, this policy you're, you're, you're promoting is wrong. I'm going to fight you on that. But I understand, I appreciate the fact that you're there fighting for your viewpoint, right? Exactly. And um, And if we can get into a a discussion that goes that's different than just this heated like 
you have bad motives. You know, um, my wife and I took a marriage class. Uh, well, we've taken a lot of marriage classes over the last <laughs> few years. But in one of them, the guy came out and said, you know, if you if you assign motives to somebody, that's going to be a very bad situation. He says, so when you're having a, an argument or discussion or whatever, even a heated argument with your spouse, you might remember that they're a good hearted person that actually loves you and has your best interests in mind. Early on in my marriage, I told my wife this, and it sounds very similar to that. And I learned, I said, honey, I want you, I know that I'll say some stupid things and you'll be, uh, you'll get upset and so forth. Just whenever you hear anything I say, make the assumption that I mean it for your best, that I love you to death. That I would never do anything to harm you. And that that may take some of what I say, um, the glaze off of it. And we've worked at that for years, but we realized, wait, I'm going to react to that. What did you mean by that? And I tell her, oh, okay. You know, otherwise you tell, you meant this, uh, basically casting on sort of, like you said, intentions. And we do that as a, as a culture as well. But if we can stop and say, okay, they mean well, what do they really mean with this before we get offended? What do you think? Yeah, exactly. So maybe you could clarify that a little bit or, or whatever. And um, I think it's important that we, you know, just, just go by the facts, just mm -hmm. go by what's actually said, go by the content and don't assign a motive to it. Because I found that there's good motives in the worst people that I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And there's bad motives in some of the best people I've ever met. Yep. Um, indeed. And even in throughout scripture, when there were people that were, would give money for show, right? That was bad motives. They were doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. You know, we want to do the right things for the right reasons. That's where our heart comes in. So I want to tell you a story. I met a, a young lady this week, um, brother. Um, she's in our line of work, wants to do more for the party, wants to do more for the country and families and her community. And she lives in a, now she was a um, far left, leftist, um, a women's empowerment, a young lady, right? And she'd been indoctrinated through the schools, voted Democrat her young life and whole bit. And then she started asking questions and then she's like, this doesn't make any sense, but she was had this impression that conservatives and Republicans were judgy. They want to control us. They don't want us to allow us to, you know, experience things outside of it, that they're very closed minded. And she goes, the more I understood, the more questions I asked, I realized that, oh my gosh, no, our side is the one that says, if you say anything outside of the, the, the tolerance or the left or whatever, you're shut down, you're destroyed. And then just like our friend Tambourine, she's like, I don't want this. And she became a conservative. You know, she already had the belief and her husband was more conservative as her. But she's like, wow, I can't deal with this. That's crazy stuff now. My freedom's restricted. You know, let's talk about, you know, advancing freedom, liberty, personal thought, you know, those type of things. So I was like, wow, another, you know, reasonable person going, and the light bulb goes on and goes, I don't want this. This is not what I stand for. And so I, I'm excited that there is some um, progress in that way. Yeah. And it doesn't come through yelling and screaming and protesting, although I'm kind of into that too, but you know, <laughs> it's kind of my thing. Not uh, yelling and screaming, but the protesting part, sure. Yeah. And you know, we've got to, we got to stand up. I, I was looking at a, a quote by Winston Churchill and he said, while it does take, uh, courage to stand up and speak about what you believe in. It also takes the same amount of courage to sit down and listen. 
And so if we can hear the heart of our opponent and, and try to discern the motive, uh, we might find ourselves closer to creating an opportunity to win them, to win them over. And, um, and, you know, like I said, sometimes my motives are not that great. You know, sometimes right. I need an adjustment, brother. I don't know if that comes over in the radio or not, but I just, I feel like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I thought I was saved. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah our uh, nature. What was Paul said, I think he quoted it um, before too, when Paul said, I do the things I don't want to do and I don't do the things I want to do. You know, the, the talking about the flesh and uh, even this person who started off, you know, super, super smart persecuting Christians. And of course, God had the Damascus Road event, changed his name, and now he wrote like, what, a third of the Bible or better. Um, so, yeah, uh, amazing. You... So um, here in the Seattle area, the um, actual Washington Supreme Court, by the way, brother, mm-hmm. has, a, has allowed to move forward a recall effort for Shama Sawant, the socialist, the first socialist city council member in Seattle. Did you hear that, brother? I did not. So what um, has she done to tick off the left? I mean, she <laughs> is the left. She is the super woke left, though. And what's funny is it's, I'm not going to say this in a way that's derogatory, but um, I think in many cases, the political left party, I'll just say Democrats in general, um, have used or um, the radical left for a while to advance her agenda and say, hey, um, push this, go out there, organize, campaign, get votes. And then they move a little bit, just a little bit more to get their agenda done, whether it be Biden or whatever, Kamala Harris. Um, but they aren't controllable. So, they, you know, even you unleash the beast, so to speak, and they have a mind of their own. So the political left, that's why they're so, that's why they're taking on in this campaign. You've seen it over the last several years where a radical left socialist takes on a more, I guess, I'm not saying moderate, just a leftist Democrat. So someone that's not as far left as they are. They're not winning yet, but they're making great strides because they got a lot of momentum. So and that's what this is. She doesn't fit in the political left, uh, sort of political norm. So they're trying to say, wait, you're, you're too far left. You're causing the whole party some kind of bad recognition, bad name. You're down there with the chop. You're advocating for ideas that are not acceptable in this culture, even in Seattle. And so I think that's why they're allowing that to go forward. Yeah. I don't think there's anything too wild for Seattle brother. I've been, <laughs> been here for a while and this town is out of its mind. So uh, my wife you, is like, my wife keeps like, we got to move away. We got to go away. And I'm like, you know, um, you can't get away from this. You know, we could go to, let's say we could go over to their Coeur d'Alene or Sandpoint or something, right? We could move to Idaho or we could even move across the country to uh, South Carolina or we could go to Texas or whatever, but they're Florida. going to come there too. They're going to come there anyway. So we might as well just, you know, put our big boy pants on our big book girl pants on and stand and, and just go ahead and do it now. And uh, you know, and, th- and there's a, there's a, uh, an American um, precedent for that, right? They they used to sing that song during World War One, and and then later similar things in World War Two. Over there, over there, we want right. to fight over there. So let's right. fight over here in Washington, so we don't have to fight in Texas, right? Exactly let's right. fight over here in Washington, so we don't have to fight in Idaho. And okay. uh, you know, these people that run away, um, how are they? You know, okay, I get it. You want to protect your kids, right, and things like that. But I'm seeing a lot of people run away 
that are that that shouldn't run away. They don't have to worry about protect. The kids are grown, right? They're just they're just they just want to get away because they think, oh, Jay Inslee's the devil or whatever. You know, yeah, you know my old shirt that said God, family, and country. And I think that's what it, where it comes down to. Many of our Christians, um, obviously, we're going to follow God and we're going to protect our family. And then the country is down there in third. And John Jay, one of our founding forefathers, said it's got to be God, country, family. Because if the country ever becomes against the family, the, the nation is destroyed. And that's what we've seen happen. So, yeah, you're right. Many people make the choice, I need to protect my immediate family and get out of this mess. And I totally get it. But if they understand that if we if we fight back and, and protect this country, the family will be saved as well. Not only just this family, but the generations of families to follow is really, really important. And so I, I'm agreeing with you, brother. We got to stay and fight. I understand. I thought about it. My wife thought about moving away because this is getting insane. Um, but that's where the fun is, right? In the battle, in the trenches, trusting the Lord to provide for our every need. This is where we're at in Washington State. And I've reminded on this subject, brother, you and I, in 2016, five years ago, um, we were at a rally, a um, demonstration uh, against the initiative 1491. It was the billionaire money from out of state, Bloomberg putting money in, and of course, Gates putting money in to restrict our Second Amendment rights. And we went down and there was a rally down there by West Lake Mall in Seattle. For those in Eastern Washington, it's, it's sort of in the heart of Seattle itself down there on 2nd Avenue. And um, people from all over the state came and they were carrying AR-15s. They were open carry. They had the flak jackets on. At the time, we're both going, I feel safe. This is pretty cool, right? Because, you know, I like this stuff. It's America, right? But it was unusual to see that in the heart of Seattle. Fast forward, we've been to many rallies, many open carry, many Second Amendment rallies in Olympia and around the state. Nothing to that degree, but we've seen it. And we're like, okay, it's great. I Oftentimes, I'll open carry myself or conceal carry, depending on what, what the situation is. But this, the House has passed, the Senate passed, and then the House has passed a companion bill. And it's now in the Senate for reconciliation, as we talked about before, called ESSB 9038, where they're going to ban open carry in any within 250 feet of any permitted demonstration. That's a slippery slope. Like anything, any infringement says shall not be infringed. They're saying that our constitutional right and our state right constitutional right to open carry or concealed carry for that matter, but open carry uh, is can be limited around permitted demonstrations. So what is a permitted demonstration? It could be anything in the state, any gathering. And it also includes if it's in your car. So there's a, still a chance to stop this bill. Uh, Andy Billig is the Senate Majority Leader. He's the one that can actually say, I'm not going to present this. Um, and then, of course, ultimately, we have to get on the phone and call Jay Inslee, don't sign this into law. But this looks like it's a foregone conclusion. But don't give up. If you can care about your Second Amendment, it's important because this could be easily spread across the country or the state, for that matter. And then where does it stop? And, of course, we know that we're fighting, talking all the time about our First Amendment right, and you can bring up about uh, down in Olympia, we fight back. It's the Second Amendment right that protects everything else. So you know this is an onslaught, an ongoing attempt to remove our ability to defend ourselves, and then, of course, to fight back from tyranny. So what do you think, Doug? Yeah, uh, I think that um, regardless of what happens in the Capitol, at the Capitol, or on the in the Zoom Capitol, which is, you know, there's a lot of people that, that believe that this session, this entire session is completely illegal. 
because it, it there's a require constitutional requirements for uh, legislating. Um, however, um, you know, when they told us that, that we couldn't speak at the Capitol, that we couldn't use the PA system at the Capitol, when they told us that we couldn't put up our, our pop-up at the Capitol, and uh, we fought back. Um, we won that battle, of course. And, um, you know, you, were, you and I were both a big part of that. We were the initiators of it because they wouldn't let us do our, our program from, right. the, from our, the fence there. And um, so the, the open carry thing, I think we need to do the same thing. People need to be willing to be arrested. They need to be willing to, to fight this, this thing. And, um, you know, I would like to see our, um, you know, our Patriot groups show up at the Capitol open carrying, you know, and just, uh, just say, you know, here we are, you know, what are you, what are you going to do about it? Right. Because um, you, just because you pass an unconstitutional, the, the constitution, the federal constitution, the, we, the people one, mm-hmm. it's the supreme law of the land. And you can do whatever you want. You can pass whatever laws you want, as long as they agree with that. But if they disagree with that, we don't have to obey them. We, it's our, it's our duty not to obey them. And so when they tell us that we, that we must close our churches, we open our churches. When mm-hmm. they tell us that we can't speak and we can't say certain things and we talk and we speak and we go, they say, you can't, you have to have a free speech areas over here, but we don't have free speech over here. Well, over here, still the United States we'll come over here and we're going to talk right here. And if you don't like it, then uh, you need to do what you're going to do because we're going to fight you. And uh, you know, when they violate a, when they knowingly violate your rights, there is no qualified immunity for that police officer, for that, that official that does that. And um, you know, it's the, the methodology that, that you've been talking about for years now. And and that is the bugs life thing. There's, Mm -hmm. there's the ants. If the ants ever figure out that there's like a lot more of them than there are grasshoppers, the grasshoppers are dead meat. Mm-hmm. And right now the grasshoppers are threatening to step on. And that's what they do. They isolate the ant and step on the ant over here and step on the ant over there. But if all the other ants get ticked off, get teed off, get angry and start to fight back, those grasshoppers are in deep grasshopper doo-doo and they're not going to get out easily. And so, um, yeah, we have got to stand. We've got to uh, be counted. Uh, you know, this, um, I, I uh, put a quote out um, on my um, Facebook page uh, earlier this week. Let me see if I can find that baby. Uh, let's see here. Uh, probably right. can't. But uh, it, it had to do with, uh, um, oh, what's his name? Uh, Frederick Douglass. Mm-hmm. And Frederick Douglass uh, said, The whole history of the progress of human liberty shows that all concessions yet made to her August claims have been born of earnest struggle. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. Power concedes nothing without a demand. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to and you have found out the exact measure of injustice and wrong which will be imposed upon them. The limits of tyrants are prescribed by the endurance of those whom they oppress. Frederick Douglass was the black former slave, friend of Abraham Lincoln, that was instrumental in uh, the Civil War era in freeing the slaves. That is so good. That is right on right there. 
know, find out just, yeah. just what any people will quietly submit to. And you have found out the exact measure of injustice and wrong, which will be imposed upon them. This is, this so, is so yeah. clear for today, right? It is. It is uh, dead on. And it leads me to our next topic, which is what I was talking about. The whole pandemic, the whole COVID-19, the, it's amazing to me how uh, there's an old adage, right? Don't let a, a good crisis go to waste or a crisis go to waste. Uh, what the political left, the uh, those in the majority in, in, in D.C. and Olympia are trying to push under the cover of the fear of the pandemic. Um, not only just a mask and picking and choosing, um, but we're talking about this massive $2.3 trillion infrastructure plan that doesn't have a lot to do with infrastructure, more along the lines of um, proposing and pushing an agenda at the state level. Massive changes going against our Second Amendment rights, going against our kids, um, pushing down um, these things that we don't believe in from a conscious, from a Christian worldview. Um, and this is all under the guise that we know what's better for you. Therefore, we're going to give you a little bit of money maybe out of this, but we're going to pay off our donors, make them stronger, and pass these all this different legislation that really is a, not just offensive, but it's brutally um, like a yoke around our necks, brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, never let a good crisis go to waste, of course, is what you keep saying. But yep. um, this is... Um, there, there, there's so much depth of this that the, the, if you go take the COVID thing and then add in the cancel culture and then add in the tearing down the statues and the destroying of the history of America, you know, make America only evil from its inception, you know, only point out the faults, only point out the bad things. You know, slavery was bad and America repented of her slavery and she did the right thing. And she freed the slaves. Jim Crow was bad. Dred Scott was bad. America repented and moved on. And uh, America was not the last country to abolish slavery, but one of the first. Right? Exactly right. And lifted in, more people out of poverty worldwide than any country in, in history. Um, but what and, we have and now. So what we've yeah. got to do, I think, is, you know, I don't know if you can just put out every little fire. Right. Stomp on every lie, stomp on every because the lies are coming fast and furious. You know, there are many people now that are saying they don't even know if COVID-19 exists because uh, samples have been sent to labs and things and they can't find anything. All they find is is influenza A, influenza B, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's these things that are going on. And so, um, you know, I'm not a I'm not a COVID denier. Right. Um, but I'm just saying it that because of the, the overwhelming, you know, I talked to a friend of mine today that said that he uh, knows personally of a person who was killed in a motorcycle accident mm -hmm. down in his state of Arizona. And they um, put the death down as COVID-19 because the corpse had COVID-19 antibodies. Antibodies in it. Yeah. That's right. So, but the death, the cause of death was not COVID-19. The cause of death was a motorcycle crash. We've had gunshot people coat test supposed causes, you know, why would they do that? I'll tell you why, brother. Because the devil comes to steal, to steal kill, and destroy. And destroy. Right. He's a liar. That Jesus said when the devil tells a lie, he's speaking his native language. So we have liars. We have murderers. We have thieves. 
So, uh, so the, on that note, yeah. under the guise of, of the lie and the fear, you have a national federal government, you have world governments, you have the local government dictating, you know, who gets to open, who doesn't. There's a discussion of this COVID Where you can passport. go, where you right. can, right? Now, the, right. the COVID passport. Yep. The vaccines that were forced to, uh, to, um, to production, you know, forced in a, in a year, it's amazing. But there's no, each and every one of these has protection that you can't sue them because they didn't go through the proper process or the normal process. Therefore, they're exempt from any lawsuits. So that once again, that in itself the, is just wicked, brother. That's I know. Terrible. And the narrative now from the political left, we heard it the last couple of days too, is that those that don't take the COVID-19 vaccine is somehow um, evil, somehow bad. They're infecting others that people aren't safe to go out if the, everybody doesn't get it. So the, it's leading towards the guilt trip through the fear of the pandemic to make sure you take it. And then to add on to that, you must prove that you've taken it in order, in order to travel, to go to school, to participate in events. You know, this this really, not just scary, this is what they're actually trying to propose. We need to stand up and fight back because this really is a based in lies, whatever it may be, they've exaggerated, which is still a lie. The, the COVID uh, passports and then you take their own words. Uh, Kamala Harris, when she was running for president, believe it or not, when she got less than 1% of the primary, which is another thing, they asked her multiple times, will you take the vaccine? And she sidestepped it many times, but she ultimately said on several occasions, I will not take the vaccine if Trump does it. Bottom line, it's purely political for them. So the fact is that Trump did do it, now it's a new administration that the vaccines haven't changed. And yet now we're all supposed to trust and take the exact same vaccine that they said in their own words, they wouldn't take if Trump did it. And so, well, maybe we th- should just start calling it the Trump vaccine. That'd probably solve the problem. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's right. You're a marketing guy. Um, and keep on. Well, it's, it's Biden's border crisis. It truly is. So you're right about that. Um, but for our listeners, you may want to take one of these vaccines. But the efficacy they're talking about right now is that with the Johnson and Johnson, the Moderna and the Pfizer, that it may only be beneficial for when it works for three to six months. And then you may have to get another vaccine. And this doesn't bode well. You don't do that with the other vaccine. You don't do that with the flu vaccine. You don't do that with the um, um, measles, mumps, and rubella. It's one time. But with this, since things are, they, it, it mutates on a regular basis. It's um, a what, virus. Yeah. It's a yeah. virus, brother. It's the common cold. The common mm-hmm. cold, the reason they don't have a cure for the common cold is because it's a virus and it mutates really mm-hmm. fast. And so um, where did that go, by the way? Record low numbers of the flu this year. Just saying, you know. Yeah, and all the flu cases this year were COVID-19 cases this year, brother. Record, I know. You know, it's, um, look. This is an attack on our freedom. And, you know, unless the ants stand up and, and, and link arms and say no, you know, um, as, like I said, I was chatting with a friend and I said, you know, the solution I don't think is to, you know, arm up and, you know, take to the, you know, the trenches and things like that. I think that the, 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 the solution for right now, where we're at right now, is for us to just stand up and say, no, we won't wear your mask. We won't take your vaccine. We don't believe you. We're not going to comply. 
We're not going to to allow you to take over our uh, representative form of government through voter fraud. And even if you do get in, uh, however you get in, we're not going to allow you to violate our God-given, constitutionally protected rights. Mm -hmm. The answer is no. And regardless of what the where the chips fall, we stick to that. And they'll try coercion and they'll try threats and uh, all these other things because they're gangsters. Yep. They're bullies. They are bullies. You mentioned off the air, too, about the fact that the states are aligning. During the Civil War, it was a war between the states. Uh, we're seeing there's, there's several articles now where 13 states are suing Biden because the his plan to increase the corporate tax rate. Other states are suing Biden because he shut down the Dakota Pipeline and the Keystone Pipeline and reduced um, uh, supply, which has driven the cost of um, motor fuel, gas, and heating fuel through the roof, which hurts Americans. Um, so that you see people aligning. There are many states we talked about last week that have passed bills that ban transgender men competing against girls in girls' sports. Uh, they've passed bills protecting babies in the womb in certain states so that you can tell there is definitely an alignment of conservative-leaning states, right-thinking states versus the ultra-liberal. And you've seen that too. Prior to this, even we saw on the left, you had this, this pact with California, Oregon, and California, remember? And, and Washington uh, along the I-5 corridor about uh, COVID stuff. So where's this going, brother? Well, you know, as we see this stuff happening uh, all around us, and uh, I think you'd have to be, you know, living under a rock somewhere in the middle of the Gifford Pinshaw National Forest not to see what's going on around. What did Jesus say when he said, when you see all this stuff happen? He said, look up. Mm -hmm. Look up. Your redemption's drawing nigh. Look up. Rejoice. You know, uh, the Bible says rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. And it's a sign to your enemies that they're losing when mm -hmm. we're happy, when we're full of hope and we're praying and we're fasting and we're, and, and we're looking for God to do, uh, to do what he's going to do. And, you know, when the, when the disciples were facing uh, governmental persecution uh, back in the book of Acts, you know what they, they, prayed for brother they didn't pray that their enemies would be destroyed they didn't pray for you know a sweep during the next election they prayed for boldness mm -hmm. they prayed for courage and um you know we've got to pray that again and lord give us courage and give us boldness stretch forth your hand to heal and Amen. perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy child jesus and after they were meeting the place after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And they turned the world upside down. And the whole world was like against them. And, and look what they did. And they didn't count their lives as dear. They, yes. they, they said, you know what? We, this is a fight worth fighting for. And we've had generations and generations of American young men, young women, and uh, patriots who have shed their blood and said, we will have freedom. We will have freedom. They fought the Nazis. They fought the, the Empire of Japan. They, they fought the British. Uh, they fought Spain. They fought all kinds of, you know, battles. We fought a civil war to free slaves, to end the tyranny of slavery. 
uh, Americans have shed their blood. They've died. They've given their lives. And we're worried about a virus, you mm -hmm. know, and these masks, brother. Do you ever watch these people with these masks? They're driving around in a car by themselves with a mask Thank on. Are they afraid yes. they're going to give the car COVID? Are they? And then they, you see them pulling and tugging on these masks, brother. You were in the healthcare industry. I know. If that mask is full of germs and your hand is up there pulling and tugging on it, where do those germs go, brother? Well, exactly. But oftentimes the germs come from your hands as well. You can't move it around. You can't reuse them. There's so many different things. People wear it with their <laughs> nose. It, it doesn't work. It's crazy. I know um, I will finish this show on Easter and really encourage people to, again um, to come. But one more discussion topic that's really dear to me, and it really and it's not about being a ranch, but it's what do we do? You and I both, um, we love children. Um, we're parents. We're fathers. Um, we understand that we're always sold a bill of goods politically. about It's about the kids, and then it's never about the kids. It's about indoctrinating or whatever. But we, one of the things I campaign on and still campaign on is this child sex trafficking that has got to be eradicated. It's the most evil thing on this planet, in my opinion. And now we have this border crisis, and we've had issues before. Trump did a great job of putting policies in place that people were kept in a safe environment in Mexico while they were processed. Now that Biden's invited the hordes and hordes of people up, babies being dropped over the wall, um, sent on to these, these sex traffickers, sex trafficking has gone through the roof. It's gotten increased because of the danger. Um, criminals are coming across the border. The, our border patrol is overwhelmed. Uh, as a citizen, as a Christian, we have to pray. There's got to be more. There's something we've got to do to make sure that, that this, the citizens of this nation are protected. But the children, the children that are taken from here, and across the drugs coming in and the children that, that are, are trafficked into this country for that trade must stop. And so I know this is Easter, but this is one of those things. What can we do? What can Marty and Doug do? What can our listeners do? What can we, a simple thing we can do to obviously pray and trust God, but we have to engage. This is something that we cannot tolerate a day longer. You know, I'm just as passionate about life and the, the baby in the womb. Of this right here, these are babies in the world being used for things that they should never even hear about, brother. We, you know, we've got to open our mouths. Mm -hmm. We've got to let our voices be heard. You know, we have compassion, right? But mm -hmm. you know, there, what would, what would a parent do? That lived in, I get it. America's great, right? And mm -hmm. if and if America's so evil and wicked and terrible, why are these you know millions of people dropping their children over the wall just mm -hmm. to get them into the United States, just to get them in here? They feel like at least there they get picked up by you know a government agency and they won't starve to death, mm -hmm. right? They won't. They'll have they'll have clothing, they'll have shelter, and um. You know, and I, you know, it's, we just can't imagine that, right? We, we live here, but we can't bring the whole world here. We don't have the resources to take care of the billions mm -hmm. around the world. And America will just become the hell that they're already in. So, so the answers are in, in missions. The answers are in, in, in using what we have to help Honduras, to help Chile, to help um, Venezuela and these other places, right. Where they're coming from, where they're refugees and, and mm -hmm. Mexico and whatnot. And, and how do we help them? We don't help them with a handout. We help them with a hand up. 
teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime, give a fish eats for a day, right? So we keep giving people fish and we haven't taught them how to fish and how to take care of themselves and how to farm and how to cultivate and how to, you know, there was a, a, a mission um, many years ago uh, that was really effective in that. And I think it might even still be active brother, but they would take these old Ford tractors. Remember those old Ford tractors, those things just run forever. You could work mm-hmm. on them. They had a simple carburetor, those two great big wheels in the back and the, the little wheels in the front. And they sent those things to Africa, brother. They sent those things all over the world. And, you know, these people were plowing with a donkey, with an ox. Right. And stuff like that. And it revolutionized and caused them to begin to feed the masses in their own nations. Just our 30s and 40s and 50s technology, right? And that's the key is helping them there where they are. Exactly right. Right. And then, um, you know, and America is generous. We, you know, we allow like a million people a year legally to come in. Right. And how many people want to emigrate to China? Just let me see your hands. I'm not seeing any hands, brother. How many of you guys want to emanate, emigrate to Venezuela? Um, No, even Bernie Sanders didn't put his hand up, brother. (laughs) So uh, why do they want to come here? Because here is where, People are free to do things. I have some friends, uh, many friends uh, from uh, Ukraine, from, you know, the Slavic countries. They came to the U.S. with nothing as refugees after the the fall of the Iron Curtain. Brother, they live in way nicer houses than I live in. They drive way better. Why? Because they took the American dream and opportunity and they did it. They didn't expect, you know, oh, my gosh, the man's holding me down. I did, you know. The, 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 the quote I often say is he who's good at making excuses is seldom good at anything else. And yeah. so let's stop making excuses and let's work hard and let's, let's get this thing done. And it's incredibly demeaning to a people group to say that, that the white person is holding you down or that, you know, the, 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 the heterosexual is holding you down and stuff like that, because it's, or, we're our beyond current that. president who says that if you're black or Hispanic, you, you are too dumb to get an ID. It's like, come on, or to use a computer that that is offensive to the nth degree. This really is like, yes, the numbers that I've quoted oftentimes, I love the numbers because that bears out that this still is the land of opportunity. This still is the, the land of the free. That 80% of all new millionaires are first-generation immigrants. People that came here from other countries, saw the opportunity, got to work, didn't make excuses, and now have made a life for themselves they could never make anywhere else. But we want that for our citizens, too. The people that are born here, the people that have generation, you know, there is opportunity, but we can't do it by holding their hand or giving them handouts or tying strings to it and saying you must live in certain neighborhoods. It must be the point, like, if you're willing to work for it, there's opportunity here. Go out and get it. Yeah. And that's freedom mm-hmm. and the freedom to own a car and go where you will. The freedom mm-hmm. to work where you will. The freedom to go to school where you want. The freedom to start a business. The freedom to, um, to uh, marry who you will marry. Right. The freedom to raise your children and to go to church where you want. And, you know, we, we've, we've forgotten what freedom really is and what freedom really means. But we're being reminded by this scamdemic, this fake thing where we've been locked down and we've had no freedom to move and we've had no freedom to, to go to church and we've had no freedom to go to school and we've had no, and now they're t- saying, no, you can't say certain things. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't go certain places. 
you, because of who you are, because of your external DNA inspired skin color, right? Then you are, uh, you are a colonizer or you are a cracker or you are a, uh, you know, a former slave person or whatever you have a certain kind of privilege. And so therefore we must attack you and we must destroy you. And because you believe in the Bible, you're a hater and these kind of things. And we've got to have a reasoned, seasoned uh, response to this, that we love you and we like freedom. And, uh, you know, if I said all those same things about you because you were not white, you were some other ethnicity, how would that sound? And then they, but, but, but that doesn't apply to you because you are different. Well, that sounds like the Nazis. It doesn't mm -hmm. apply to the Jews. It doesn't apply to the Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever. I mean, they, they systematically isolate, you know, what was that saying? I, you know, they came for the union guys, but I didn't, I didn't say anything because I wasn't a union guy. And they mm -hmm. came for the Christians. I didn't say anything because I wasn't a Christian. They came for the Jews. I didn't say anything because I was a Jew. When they came for me, there was no one left to talk for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And right. so that's, you know, so we've got to stand up and we've got to say, I'm with them. And uh, I'm not going to allow you to isolate them and step on them and crush exactly them. Exactly right. Gonna, we are Americans. And we, we have fought. God. And we have, brother, for years now, we've fought to say, you know, we want to hire anybody we want to, regardless of their ethnicity. Mm -hmm. okay? We want to hire and we want to, you know, nobody's, brother, nobody's <laughs> a job or a home or anything like that because of their ethnicity or even right. because of some of these, you know, other perversion things. Right. right. So right. clearly uh, I want to say something. You said freedom. This is fun. You know, we do love freedom, but is it, even with freedom, our founding forefathers knew there's a balance with the responsibility, right? That we were held to account for our own actions. Responsibility goes with freedom. We have the freedom as long as we don't interpret or step on somebody else's freedom. The idea of liberty is that there is this checks and balances with our self-control. And right now we have a government that doesn't trust us and wants to force things on. The same thing in scripture, right? Um, there's a lot of grace, which is where we're at. We're talking about grace this weekend, but we wouldn't need grace unless there was judgment. And it's that you have to have a healthy deal of both. The reverence of an all, of a holy God that is perfect in all ways. That's why we've fallen short, because he's holy and we're not. But through the grace, we've been forgiven because Jesus took the place for us, of us on the cross and therefore, we have this free gift if we receive it. I just, I love this weekend, but the freedom comes with responsibility to actually uh, steward it in a wise way. Our grace comes with the responsibility of an understanding that it isn't cheap grace. It is grace earned by Christ Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and uh, it was for liberty that he set us free. Our, you know, our country is here because of the rediscovery of the scriptures that showed that this is an individual choice that we yes. make to be, to receive the Lord to as many as receive them. This is an individual thing. You cannot be born. You can be born into a Christian family, but you can't become a Christian unless you decide to receive the free gift of God. You can't. And so it, it elevated the individual, you know, uh, John Wesley was kicked out of the church of England and he went and he began to preach to the minors the miners considered themselves so bad. They didn't even have a church. They didn't find themselves worthy of even having a church. And he started to preach to them and tell them that they were royalty, that they are children of God. They're made in his image and they have value. And they were coming to the Lord in droves, brother. 
They were responding to this message. And that's what that's where this whole United States of America and the Magna Carta and all this, because we that all of a sudden the individual became important again. It wasn't always about the kings. It wasn't all about the elite. It was about the individual from the, the lowest person on the street to the highest person in the castle. They all had a personal responsibility and a, to have a personal relationship with the Lord. And that's where America came from, because all of a sudden now the individual was important. And so it was we the people. And when in the course of human events becomes necessary, right? It was because mm -hmm. of the people and the individual. You don't have the right to oppress us. You don't have the right to be a tyrant over us. God gave us liberty. And for liberty, we're going to be free. And we're going to travel where we will. And we're going to own property. We're going to own our own stuff. We're going to have our own fine and our own fig tree. Come on, right? That's Come what the on. Bible says. Right. <laughs> right? And that's where that comes from. And that's why they hate the Bible. Because the Bible gives you hope. The Bible tells you that there's no more male. There's no more female. There's no more rich, slave, free, poor. But all are one in Christ. Right? And there's a, there's a value in regardless of where you are in your station in life. And that's the United States of America. And that's why we had this 5,000-year leap where we had 5,000 years of agrarian society and feudalism and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, now we've got men on the moon and we've got flying cars and we've got, you know, uh, all this technology and smart machines. You know, this stuff all came because of freedom. Right, right. When you free the mind and you free the body, when you have a free person, when you have the, the choice to make a destiny for your family and your offspring and change your entire outlook, your, it gives you hope, gives you joy, gives you the ability to change the situation. For decades, for eons, I should say, for thousands of years, people were born into a stature, into a, a caste system where they, there, was no, there was no movement. It was survival. You served somebody else's interest. America and said, no, it could be your land. You could protect your property. You could set out your destiny. We have many people all throughout our, our history that rags to riches is American story. And so, and it's and not just material riches, it's, it's freedom. It's like you said, I love it. Um, there, there are principles in this nation that we need to restore, come back to. And, but first thing, as, as we always quote as well, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, right? If my people, that's us, who are called by, by his name, right? We'll humble ourselves and pray and turn from our wicked ways. we got a lot of wicked ways going on in this nation, right? He'll hear from heaven and heal our land. So, Lord, we, we heal our land, especially on this weekend as we celebrate the gift, the, the work on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fact of eternal salvation as we invite our neighbors and friends to church this weekend that they, too, could be another Doug Bassler saved and all heaven can rejoice. Right, Doug? Yeah. And I, I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. And yet he loved me and he gave himself for me. And, um, and you know, I should have died before that time. I had a terrible car crash and um, no ability to change my own life, no ability to get off drugs, to get off alcohol until uh, Jesus Christ came into my heart. You know, if, you, if you're listening today and you haven't made that, that, that decision, that choice to receive the Lord, uh, man, this would be a great time to do it. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait till the organ plays because, you know, frankly, organ music is not that great. <laughs> um, I know some people like organ music. I'm not a big fan. I like electric guitars, rather. But at any rate, you know, you could just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I really am. And I, I do repent and I do want to be better. And I want to be a better person, a better daughter, son, a father, a wife, a husband, whatever. And I, I, 
I've heard that, that you died for me and you want to save me. So I, I make you the Lord of my life. I receive you. I receive the gift that you have for me. And, uh, uh, and I'm asking you to be the Lord of my life. That means be the boss. And if you pray that prayer, you can be part of this family. And if you have prayed that prayer, God bless you. Love to hear from you. You can uh, contact Marty and I at DougAndMarty.com. We encourage you to go there. You can also listen to past episodes there. And I hope that you have a great Resurrection Sunday. This is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. He is risen. It's risen indeed, brother. Amen. Amen. See you next week.